think we all kind of sometimes we'll get used to maybe doing something the same way all the time. For example, uh, a worship service like this where we'll do a couple songs at the beginning and then we'll listen to a message. We'll go to small groups. So we're changing it up as an opportunity to uh, step out of our comfort zones, myself included, um, just to let the Holy Spirit shake us a little bit. But we're jumping back into our relationship series here this week. It's going to be a really intentional talk tonight about a little bit different than I had previously planned. So tonight was supposed to be, and is in a way, part two to uh, this series called um, Defining the Relationship with Our Parents, right? What I Wish My Parents Knew. It's like a part two, there's a Q&A aspect, which sounds really cool, but as we're jumping through all those sticky notes that um, that we filled out last week, let me just say that uh, I, I don't know. I was kind of a lot, not at a loss for words because I was a teenager too, um, but I felt like I didn't have answers for your problems or answers for the things that, that you had. And so I had envisioned this idea of you fill out the sticky note, and then I was like, oh, that's the question, and maybe we have an answer to your, your thing. Maybe it's a verse in the Bible. Maybe it's just some wisdom from another leader or someone who has a few more years on even myself and obviously on you. But then as I prayed about it, I came to this, um, I came to this conclusion, I guess, that really it's, it's only through Jesus, only with Jesus, that any intentional relationship will ever actually work. Um, you can look at the world around you, and you can look at people who don't have Jesus in their lives, and you'll notice that they can be really intentional with people. They can even, um, you know, you can have a marriage, for example, or even a dating relationship. Like, it could go really well, but without Jesus at the center of it, it there's always something missing. There's always a piece or an aspect missing because God always intended to be at the center of our relationships. But we're going to unpack that a little bit tonight and then hopefully, in a way, answer your questions with what I wish my parents knew. Um, maybe you'll feel comfortable like telling them after tonight. Maybe you'll feel comfortable like actually having those conversations versus just a quick and maybe what I thought in my head would be simple answer. Um, first, I want to start with this idea. It's really not easy. Relationships are not easy. So if each one of you would turn to the neighbor on your right and you would say, life isn't easy for me. Did we catch that? Life isn't easy for y'all? Unless you disagree, then say life is easy, but I've never noticed that. Okay, now turn to your neglected neighbor, the one on your other side, who really wished that you would have turned towards them and say, relationships are hard for me. You might be a people person. You might think you're really good with people. You might be really good with people. But relationships will never necessarily be easy. They're always hard. There's always something that's going to come up that you're going to be like, oh, I didn't really mean that, but I said it. Or... I slipped up because I was tired, or I spent way too much time with people, and so I snapped at this person when they tried to step into my life. Guys, the sticky notes that you had filled out, some of you um, took them to another level than others, or you just on your mind was something different than others, but all of you 
had one resounding thing in common if you like truly participated in it or, or had something come to mind at the time, and that was that relationships are hard. The things you're going through aren't easy, and each one of you, despite your differing circumstances or um, whether you have a great relationship with your parents or maybe don't have a relationship with your parents, each one of you expressed the same thing, that, that it's not easy. It's really not. We all have our problems. And for the last cheesy time, I promise, just turn to your neighbor and say that we really need God. Because you do. Right? That's, that's the simplicity of it. While it's not easy by any means, we really need God because God defines us by who we will become and through the righteousness of Jesus. We're not defined by the challenges in our relationships. We're not defined by the things that we wish we could tell our parents and maybe don't feel comfortable with yet. But we are defined by how God sees us. We really, I mean, I, I don't really care whether or not you're walking with Jesus right now. But his definition of you is that you were created by him and that he wants a relationship with you. It has nothing to do with the decisions you've made. It has nothing to do with the thoughts you're experiencing or the feelings you have in your heart or the challenges that you've had in relationship and everything to do with what Jesus did for us on the cross. When he determined that he was going to um, follow God's will for his life on earth and, and step up to the, get nailed to a cross, God started seeing you differently. And he, as long as you're living on this earth, he has a desire to love you, right? We serve a God that is so incredibly good, but we are so easily marginalizing him making him smaller because of our problems. I walked into a situation um, over the weekend where I just, I started beating myself up, started kicking myself, just like, oh, why did you do that? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? You ever do that? It's like, um, you know, maybe imagine in your head like this, there's a soccer ball in front of you, and it's your self-worth, and you just keep kicking it towards the goal, which is that you have no self-worth. This is closer and closer. It's like, oh, why'd you do it? You're just, mm. you think you're really like supposed to speak to these students? You think you're really like supposed to be like around them in their lives? But I can remember vividly on Tuesday, um, my wife and I, we, I kind of expressed to her, and then she started feeling the same way, which is one of the negative things about <laughs> living with your best friend is that. Um, they can take on the same emotions that you have, just like your best friend before you actually live with them, right? So we exp I expressed this to her. I was like, Jess, I just like, ah, oh, I, I don't feel it anymore. Like, well, I don't feel my purpose, my, like, vision over my life. What the heck is this? This is not fun. But then we called a friend and spoke some life into us, and they said, um, the circumstances or the relationship challenges that you're facing isn't what defines you. And it came, it, it, like, it just clicked for me. And I was like, oh, my goodness, wait a second. Like, wh wh why? Why was I kicking myself so hard? Because the reality is that, that despite my mistakes, my downfalls are the things that I've fallen short in. When God looks at me, he sees the good things. 
that Jesus did. He sees the good things that, that maybe even I've done for him. Sure, there's, you know, like I spilled some, some uh, sugary drink on this jersey. Right, sure, that's like a little bit of a stain, but the reality is that I can, I wash the jersey, right? I don't think I have yet, so maybe I won't, and I'll just try to spot clean it. But when I ask for forgiveness and step into God's presence and say, like, hey, I'm just not feeling defined by you, he can just take that away. And so as we read through your sticky notes, and Jessica and I prayed through them, um, whether that was Wednesday night, Thursday morning, or then just resounding in our minds throughout the week, we're praying through the sticky notes, and I just was like, these students need to be defined by God. Because so many of the things that you are feeling, that you are feeling, and that you're experiencing can be shifted with just one answer, which is to be defined by God instead of defined by your circumstances, both in relationship and just in your life around you. When we live into this space of God defining us by not only just like who we will become, but through the righteousness of Jesus in the now— it's a place that doesn't need to feel shame for anything inside of us, any emotion, any thought. It's a place that doesn't need to feel fear of relationship. It's a place that doesn't need to feel hopelessness. Because when you're defined by God, these three things, they just really don't exist anymore. They don't need to anyways. We, we allow ourselves to kick the ball closer to the lack of self-worth, right? But they don't need to because the reality is, is that we can step into to definition of who we are being Jesus Christ. So let's just unpack this a little bit further. If we jump into Galatians 4, up there on the screen... We've got it. I'm going to turn this way because it's different than the translation in my Bible. So a little bit to unpack this before we read it. Um, Paul's writing this to the, the church in Galatia, and he's talking about how they're defined by God. Starting in verse 3, he says, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and as daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And in the last few there, you know, when, when the Bible says son, we translate it to say both son and daughter, speaking to a crowd of people. But, this is the part that I really wanted you guys to catch down at the bottom. When you accept Jesus into your heart, when you accept his love and you want to be defined by him, it's as quick as that that your relationship with God becomes father. It's not something you work up to. It's not something you uh, act towards. It's not something you serve in the church towards. It's not something that you can hope to accomplish in the future. It's just boom right there. 
immediately in your hearts, it starts to cry, Abba, Father. And you are, at that point, a son, a daughter of God. You're a child of God. That's your definition from that point on. It's a spirit of, ad- of adoption, which is amazing because whether you grew up in a home of, of perfect family, like the Brady Bunch, or which is maybe before you guys by a long shot, but <laughs> whether you grew up in a home that was like looked what the world would call normal or what a church would call normal, or you grew up in something that was less than normal, it doesn't matter because you are adopted into the family of God, that, that church can be your family. This youth group can be your community. Your leaders can come alongside you and be your, spir- your spiritual mothers and fathers. Jessica and I would love to come into your life in some way, shape, or form. Whether that would be, uh, we've gone to football games before. We've attempted to go to volleyball games and failed, so we're going to try again. We've tried to encourage some of you, but we want to be involved because we want to give you the opportunity, if, you, if you'd like it, to speak into your lives a little bit and call out the things of God in you, just like your leaders want to. I can think of uh, a number of leaders who step into, the, step into your lives on a weekly basis, whether that be through a text message or like stopping to buy a game or maybe you go out to coffee occasionally. I don't know what it is, but... You kind of step into this family all of a sudden that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So let's look at this question this way, guys. What do you wish your father God knew? And now, don't play the like, oh, he knows everything. He totally does. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But there's a difference between me telling something to my father and my father just knowing. Think of it this way. If I'm... uh, Let's make it. Cole's an eight-year-old boy, steps into Walmart, takes a Hot Wheel off the shelf, puts it in my pocket, walks out of Walmart. So I stole the, the Hot Wheel. And this is a negative thing. We could look at this in a positive way, too. My dad watched me do it, but didn't say anything. Because he just knew. He just knew, like, all of a sudden there was a Hot Wheel on my dresser. He doesn't know where I got the money, X, Y, and Z. Okay. Do you see the difference between me actually telling him, like, hey, Dad, I, I took the Hot Wheel, took responsibility for, for the action. I owned it. He already knew, so I didn't have to tell him, right? But when I did, it brought a sense of relationship and community. It brought a sense of unity. Like, I actually care what, what he knows about me, whether I thought that he knew that or not. So look at your relationship right now. Like, like take, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds, which is probably way too many, but think about it. What do you wish your father God knew? What would you tell him if you could just like have his ear for a second? Some of you might be thinking of the sticky notes that you wrote last week. Some of you weren't here last week, so you have no idea what the sticky notes were. 
Some of you, it might be uh, uh, some way that you slipped up in the last two weeks or week or month or whatever. Some of you, it might be that you just want to feel him, like, around you more. You want to know what, like, it means to cry, Abba, Father, from your heart. Different for all of you, I'm sure. For each one of you, as it hits differently, and even as your leaders, I want today to to mark something for you. And it can, if you allow it to, but I wanted to mark for you a day that you can share your secret or your challenge with your parent. That could be really scary. You could be, like, sweating right now. I know that I was when I felt the conviction in that way. And even still do sometimes. But whether you fill in parent as an authority figure in your physical life or God, that is between you and God, you and yourself. But let today mark the day that you stop trying to hide behind something. And maybe that something just being silence. What do you wish God knew? Tell him. He wants to know. He wants to have a relationship with you. And I really want you to have a relationship with him. Today could be the day that your relationships, as a plural, like God, parents, friends, family, dating, it shifts forever because you're willing to let God into the box. There's nothing between me and God. But I still have to choose to step into the box. We still have to choose to make the step towards him. Because if we just chill out over here, yeah, we could lean this way for a second. He could lean this way for a second. But we have to step into the box at some point. If we really want to have true relationship that shifts. So we're going to head back into worship here in just a second. Invite you guys, the worship team, to come back up. And when we do that, I want to give you an opportunity. Okay? We, we haven't done worship at the end of the sermon yet, um, since I've been delivering the sermons. But uh, in doing so, I, I'm kind of jumping on you leaders for a second, but if leaders would just spread out across the room, give to your space. And students, if, if you need to pray through something, a dynamic maybe, like you don't know what to do with the situation or you don't know how to tell God that thing on your own, then, then your leaders are around. And they're not watching you like, oh, you have to. You have to go talk to Ashley. Um, they're not watching you like that. Don't worry. But you have the opportunity to if you want to. You have the opportunity for someone to like be there with you in that moment, okay? So we're going to end with this. We're going to skip over that one. We're going to end with this. God wants the very best for your life. Nothing less than the very best. Sometimes it's really, really challenging because you look back at your life, the circumstances that you've come through, the things you've been challenged with, and it doesn't feel like the best.
I've been in situations more than once, and I've been like, oh my God, this does not feel like the best for me. This does not feel like your best for me. But the beauty and reality of it is that in the pressing and in the moments when things are just like over your head too hard, when you feel like you're stepping up against a breaking wall that's going to just fall on top of you, a pile of homework, your grades, a relationship with your parents, a girlfriend that broke up with you, a boyfriend that broke up with you, maybe you chose to have sex and you really regret it, maybe you watched something that you shouldn't have, maybe you ruined a relationship with a best friend. And now you're sitting with like, oh, this isn't the best. But he wants the best for you. And so when, you, when you're in those moments, those challenges, those pressings, make the shift. Turn back. Step back into the box of God. Shift back towards him. Because he wants the very best for you. So tonight as we, as we, we're going to worship, there's two more songs and we'll have small groups after that. Let's lay it, let's just lay it down, whatever the thing is. Each of you has a thing, whether or not you wrote it on a sticky note. You have something, something on your heart that you could share with your father God, something on your heart you could share with a leader that you need to go home and share with a parent, and maybe you just got to share with God first. Just lay that down wherever you choose to worship, in your seats, across the room. Determine where you've gone wrong or where you just need to let God in more. And ask for his very best. Not expecting it to be the very much easiest, but expecting for it to produce the very best in your life. Because he won't give you anything that doesn't make you the best version of yourself. Okay? Let's jump into worship.